Hello and welcome to the EDM podcast. My name is Aiden, aka Artsy, and I am your host. If you're new here, this is a show where we interview producers, artists, and industry professionals who are in electronic music production. And today, I am joined by Dan Giffen. Dan Giffen is a Ableton certified trainer and host of the Ableton Music Producer podcast. He is currently based in Indianapolis, and he has taught over the years artists such as Mac Miller, Machine Gun Kelly, and the band Perry, the ins and outs of Ableton Live. He also produces under the alias Philia, where he writes jazz-infused bass music with elements of funk, soul, and he also performs it live in a band where he drums and does improvised DJing along with a saxophone player and a keys player. In this podcast, we dive into topics such as why he thinks most music production is actually a mental game and how overcoming mental hurdles can help you become a better producer. Later on in the interview, he also emphasizes things like the importance of finding a mentor and having a structured way to learn music production. Towards the end, we talk more specific production techniques, such as a few of his favorite Ableton Live devices, plugins, and some of his favorite creative techniques that he's using at the moment. Now, as always, before we dive into the interview, which I can't wait to get into, make sure you head to edmprod.com slash courses if you want a structured approach to music production, something we talk about in this podcast where you can learn topics like the fundamentals, sound design, songwriting, and much more. But let's not waste any more time. I'm going to jump into the EDM podcast with Dan Giffen. Awesome. Welcome everyone to the EDM podcast. Today I'm here with, uh, actually, I'll redo this intro. I wanted to ask you, how do you pronounce your last name? <laughs> <laughs> I do, Dude, you should leave that in. I do this all the time man, right. on my podcast. I swear, like, <laughs> I've botched so many people's names. It's embarrassing. It's uh, Dan, Dan Giffen, not Griffin. Yeah. Every, everybody loves the R for some reason. There's no R, but yeah. I saw, I saw that there was a, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll leave this in. Uh, <laughs> do it. I saw there was a uh, there's no R and I was like all right it's Giffen or Giffen but it's like the the image file problem it's like is it a GIF uh, is it a GIF <laughs> yeah yeah dude names are weird P- people just insert like imaginary letters into people's names these days it's I know it's fun <laughs> it's like um Sam who I work with and, and used to host this podcast um everyone calls him Sam Malta. Because, but it's his last name is M A T L A, so it's Matla, and everyone just says Malta because when they look at the word, they're like, "Oh, it must be Malta." Like <laughs> Malta, name, yeah. N- names are weird, eh? Yeah, oh. for sure. My mom went to college with a girl. Her name was Rosie Butts with two T's. Like that's, oh, man. there should be some rules. There should be laws against naming people. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, man. Yeah. Oh, well, um, it is good to have you on, man. Thank you. Uh, obviously, you are the uh, host of the Ableton produ- is it Ableton producer podcast. Did I get yeah, that right? It, yeah, 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 yeah. The Ableton music producer podcast. Ableton yeah. music producer podcast. Awesome, man. Yeah, and um, you're obviously a a whole host of different things. Uh, you're an artist. You're an educator. Um, you you play in a well. You're part of a kind of product producer band, which I'll let you dive into later yeah. on. Um, but yeah, man, uh, we'll obviously dive into everything. Do you just want to give us a bit of a background um, of how you got into music and yeah, how you're doing the things that you're doing today, I guess? 
Yeah, man, totally. That's a loaded question, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on the podcast. First of all, I appreciate it. Uh, pleasure, big fan man. of what big fan of what you guys do as well. Um, but yeah, man, I started just kind of like the typical story. Went to college, went to a university, didn't like business school, thought it was yeah. boring, didn't want to do the whole nine to five thing. And so I was like, I'm just going to pursue music. So barely finished college, which is actually funny now because they want me to teach Ableton at that college. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> kind of like almost fail out of school and then go back to teach it. It's hilarious. Yeah, but, yeah. But I went to New York City and uh, was really blessed to study underneath some really talented Ableton certified trainers. And this was like back in 2000 and uh, this has been 2012. So it's been a little awesome. while. And um, uh, Daniel Wyatt, shout out to him. After I finished like a, a one year Ableton training at Dubspot, which RIP Dubspot used to be university. It's not there anymore. Yeah. Um, but they were one of the big major players for YouTube tutorials for Ableton Live. Oh, man, um, back in the day, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were the ones that really put Ableton on the map on YouTube, really. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I got to go to that school. It was a lot of fun, made some good connections, good relationships, which is a lot of the industry, just the people you meet, connecting with other people, um, and found myself hanging out with some circles. Uh I ended up fast forwarding a couple years later, moved to Indianapolis, which is where I'm actually at now, uh, thanks to COVID. Uh, so here, my family's <laughs> here and everything. Um, for now, I'm here. But yeah, and then just ended up having a bunch of friends when I moved to Indy, hit me up and being like, hey, can you teach me Ableton or can you show me this or that? Um, and then now I'm an Ableton certified trainer as of last awesome. year. Uh, one of Thank you. Thank you. There's uh, about 300 of us. And mm. just now traveling, teaching, and and then producing a lot these days, especially because we've all been sitting at home the last year and a half now. So yeah, uh, it's more time for music, right? So my project Philia, I've been producing a lot of music as Philia um, for about two and a half years now under that project name. So that's just me. But then I have a live band. And one of the best pieces of advice somebody gave me is like, practice and play with people that are better instrumentalists than you are. Especially yeah, for yeah. Re collaboration, right? Like, and I always tell my students and people, collaboration is key. You know, I'm doing things and producing things in ways I never would have if I wasn't stretching myself and learning and working mm. with other people that like push me harder. So I have two great bandmates. One plays saxophone, one plays keys, and I DJ and play drums live, and it's been fun. Yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, that I've seen. A, I've seen a few of your like setups, and it looks really cool. Um. Thank you. Like having the, yeah, the kind of a band format. I guess it's, yeah, it's like a state of permanent collaboration, which is, which is good because, yeah, like it, if you just kind of produce on your own for a long time, uh, which is something I've done, and I think a lot of producers out there probably do, like you get used to the way you like to work and you can actually very easily like pigeonhole your workflow. But I feel like yeah. working with, whether it's other producers or even just vocalists or, or other producers, um, other instrumentalists. Sorry, like it, it can just open up a new way of working that you don't really consider. Is that something mm -hmm. you found as you started kind of working more with other people? Yeah, yeah. I think it's like a combination of that and just being so interested in different styles of music. Right. You yeah. know, like the guys I play with, uh, Andy and Curtis on keys and sax. Uh, they're like very traditional jazz cats like they've right. been playing jazz since they were like little kids 
And I grew up playing some jazz drums, but I just kind of became like a a bass head sort of that has a jazz yeah. background that's like infused with like a buffet of like funk and like R&B and hip hop. So that's I think cool. like having all those different influences is really cool, like not only as like an artist, but as a collaborator too. you'd stretch mm-hmm. yourself in more ways. Um, did you listen to a lot of like different music when you were growing up and think that's kind of a reason why you listen have such a wide variety of influences these days or yeah yeah I think that's a big part of it honestly moving to New York City was probably one of the best things to happen to me in that regard because it's so diverse I mean you can find whatever you're looking for in that city truly right yeah so um i was just going to shows i was broke as shit (laughs) i spent so much money on tickets going to shows when i first moved there and uh yeah i saw like jojo mayer actually was one of my favorite shows i don't know if you know who that is he's got like this crazy poofy afro and uh my dub spot ableton teacher at the time uh invited me to go and it was this tiny club there's a hole in the wall there was like maybe 50 people there uh and he's pretty well known like and they call him the human drum machine because they'll just program they'll program crazy rhythms and he'll just like play it instantly on a drum set and it just sounds wicked wow Uh, that's cool yeah and so that was one of the best shows i've ever been to there's no big production nothing crazy he was just in the middle of the room with a drum kit and he had a dj next to him they just went nuts for three hours like it was crazy some of the, some of those like sets are the funnest ones, right? Where it's just like yeah. a, uh, it's not a huge production or even a huge crowd. It's just everyone's vibing and yeah. they're having fun. Like who is performing is having fun. Like, yeah, man, that's totally. interesting. So how yeah. long were you in New York City for? It wasn't that long, man. It was uh, I was in there for about a year and a half, and then um, moved back to Indianapolis because uh, I was supposed to move in with a roommate in Brooklyn. It didn't okay. work out. I did some drum session work uh, down there as well uh, in like a small, tiny studio that Barry Manilow was like co-owner of. All right. <laughs> super, yeah. super random. But cool. yeah, moved back to Indy because I was broke and ran out of money, didn't have a roommate, basically. So uh, yeah, that was like 2013. Um, and then, yeah, I've been in Indy since. And it's actually, Indianapolis, is it's actually a very nice place to live as far as cost of living and for touring because because you've got like a lot of big cities in the area you've got like chicago you've got nashville Mm -hmm. you've got detroit you've got columbus you've got um you know st louis there's a lot of capitals and major cities within like a four-hour drive at most wow that's true yeah because it's 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 midwest right not very familiar yeah yeah right exactly yeah yeah that's awesome i guess there's always the allure of I mean, being in the music world of like always wanting to be in one of the major cities, whether it's, you know, New York or LA. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I mean, Chicago to a degree, maybe. Um, I mean, if you're in like that scene, Nashville, like those kind of things. But do you kind of like living outside of one of those kind of hotspots or is it something you eventually still want to move back to one day? Or Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to announce it right away, but Denver is it's looking really nice these days. I've got a lot of friends there and nice, uh, yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. The mountains, you know, I don't know if it's cause everybody's high in Denver, but everybody's <laughs> so happy there. Everybody's just so happy. It's like, it's a good culture, man. I really love Denver. Yeah. Cool, man. Nice. Nice. The Is music somebody... scene. Uh, sorry. No, no, I was go gonna ahead, say man. the, I was gonna say the electronic music scene is, seems to be growing and pretty strong there. Mm. 
Because you got like artists like is Mr. Bill based there still? He was. Yeah, uh, I think he's in Santa Barbara now. Right. One yeah. of, one of the Santas down in California. Yeah. Right. I think oh, it's Santa Monica, maybe. Yeah. 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 Cool. He was just he was just on my podcast actually. Nice. Uh, yeah. Couple, we had him on ages ago. and ages ago, like when Sam was yeah. hosting. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Good dude. Awesome man. Um. So you mentioned as well, um, I think somewhere in one of your bios or something like that. Um, so you and you come from like a drumming background. Um, mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 Nice. Um, do you do you find that particular like element of you know knowing how to play drums influences like the way you produce and even even the way you think about music in general? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. For sure, man. A lot of popular music, especially in electronic music, is so rhythm based. Yeah. I mean, whether it's the melodies that are bouncing around or whether it's just like the core kick snare rhythms. I mean, a lot of it's all all dance music is just rhythm. So I think a lot of a lot of that drumming background for me is like really helps as far as producing. And a lot of times, you know, I don't always start a song the same way. You know, a lot of people ask me, like, well, how do you start a song? I was like, well, I don't know. Sometimes I just sample a goose on my deck outside because I have tons of geese. <laughs> I have a serious goose problem. I just sample that, turn it into a weird synth pattern and throw a beat behind it. Sometimes yeah. I just, you know, it always, it's different. So for yeah, me, nice. I, but the, but the drumming background has definitely helped. Um, and I play a little bit guitar, not enough to save my life, <laughs> but, but even just, finding a, a quick melody you can do so much in Ableton Live where there's yeah. like endless options of creativity um, which is why I love using it and I've also used Pro Tools and I'm Logic Pro 10 certified um, nice. but Ableton's kind of been my main squeeze I love it yeah once you've gone to Ableton it's it's difficult to to use anything else for like the bulk of your work <laughs> I mean yeah, it's, yeah it definitely has a, a nice workflow it does. It does, man. And like when it first opened it, I didn't even know how to get sound out of it for like a few <laughs> hours. I was like, wow, what is this crazy monster alien looking thing? But, you know, I, th- I think for any newer producer out there listening, that's like getting into music production, there's definitely that learning curve and you can beat yourself up and get really frustrated and quit. And I yeah. see that happen a lot. Um, but once you eventually, it's like anything else, you're building muscle memory, like playing a guitar yeah like producing is just like that it's the more you do it the better you get um and it's and having a good mentor was huge for me fast tracking a lot of my skills as well i think that's really important because you can go to youtube university and try to teach yourself how to produce um and then you're going to end up not asking the right questions sometimes or not even knowing yeah not even knowing the right questions to ask really so um that that's it that's what it all comes down to is like there's so many great free resources out there but it each of them only solves a tiny piece of the puzzle and it's like mm-hmm. you don't even know how those pieces all fit together yet i think yeah. like a mentor or some sort of structured learning like um someone who's showing you the way that they the path they went through and yeah. and uh breaking that down for you is is key especially if you want to learn like like it, it speeds it up as well right it speeds up the way um, yeah, you learn how how long it takes you to learn. Totally. Um, well, speaking of like mentoring and teaching, obviously you are um you run the website Live Producers Online. 
um, which you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, um, which is for those of you who don't know out there, is basically a uh, resource and uh, website dedicated to well, as as the name suggests, teaching people how to produce um, with Ableton Live online. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Yeah, man. Do you want to dive a bit more into like uh, what that is and like what you aim to do with that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, right now it's just two of us running the site, uh, but it started out as I was teaching at a recording studio uh, here in Indianapolis. Uh, I'm not there anymore, but it was pretty well known called The Lodge. It had a lot of history. Cool. And uh, a lot of my students from there that I was teaching after the six month class that I would do teaching Ableton Live, they would have more questions and, you know, they'd want to go deeper and whatever. So I started the website uh, initially just for people who maybe I wanted to continue to connect with, do like live streams, post a bunch of videos. Now it's actually turned more into like, here's a couple courses to get you started with Ableton Live. Yeah. Here's a couple things. I'm going a little deeper. And then I'm just uploading what I call group sessions, which is just like a live Zoom hangout with me and other members um, of me just diving into my projects and tracks that I've been producing. I'm just showing little shortcuts and hacks here and there. Mm. But yeah. Also, that- if anybody doesn't own Ableton Live, Ableton Live 11 is really dope. And uh, I can hook you up with the cheapest discount you'll find online so nice nice <laughs> as nice. a reseller so if, <laughs> i'd happy happy to help you save that piggy bank so you can go buy more plugins or something <laughs> awesome i'll leave a i'll leave a link in the description for that okay, um cool yeah man that's really cool um with running the website and that sort of thing and obviously mentoring um producers through that i wanted to ask what your experience of um, you know, when you're mentoring a producer, what do you kind of look for? Because I know there's a lot of producers out there who want to, you know, get ahead in music or, or they want to up their skills or whatever their goals are. Um, and I find that with, with certain people, there's things holding them back. I mean, particularly in the area of like mindset and how they think about music production. Um, mm-hmm. what, what are things you look for, uh, when you're like, trying to men- like trying to find someone who kind of fits your mentoring program or something like that. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good question. I think uh, there's two parts of that question I see, you know, for somebody starting out, what do I how do I help them or like and then how do I find somebody as a good fit? Mm. But but I I'd say for any new producer that like comes to me and wants to learn Ableton, yeah. one of the first things is just like establishing goals, right? Because yeah. some people might want to start producing with the expectation that they want to play live, right? Sure. So that's one thing. Um, so first of all, let's get some tracks, let's make some bangers, and then I'll show you how to set them up live or just DJ. Yeah. Um, the other side is, I think, the mental side of producing, which I think is the hardest part. Totally. You can teach. I think you could teach anybody a certain level of technical skill, right? Mm. But the mental side of producing, I think, is the, the hardest part for most people, and even for myself. Still, you know, like yeah. some days you wake up and it's like rainbows and butterflies, and you're like just a creatively inspired, and you sit yeah. down and start writing something real crap, you really fast, and like the matter of a couple of days, you bust out a track. And yeah. then there's moments where you just like want to sit there and just eat crappy food and cry in the fetal position and you know you don't feel like making any music so yeah i think i did a really great podcast i had da vinci 
Oh, yeah. He was a uh, really well known for the NPC and finger drumming. He's pretty insane to watch live. Like he looks mm. like he's having a seizure on stage. He's just going nuts. Uh, but he's brilliant. And he talks a lot about the mental side of producing on that episode. And a couple of things that he really talked, I thought was really good. Um, is like really getting out of your head and into your body more so. Cool. And for newer producers, one thing I encourage them to do is like to find a way to love practicing. Yeah. So like 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 fall in love with practicing. If you can find a way to love practicing, you're going to go so much faster and so much farther than just learning a bunch of technical things because in the end of the day if you're not inspired, you don't feel it, you're not going to make the music you love. So um, I think that's a big part of, of, I guess, what I'd like to be doing more in my membership. Not that necessarily I'm doing a ton of it right now, but what I'd like to be doing more is uh, just posting things in my Discord. Like, you know, everybody share some like good, thoughtful tips of like what inspired you to make this or um, even just sharing memes, just a bunch of yeah. memes in the Discord of like just making you laugh. Everybody loves a good meme. Yes, but they do. <laughs> I, I, but I find if you can find a way to love practicing or just even self-help and taking care of your mental health is huge, especially yeah. after being boxed in your house last year for COVID and all that that crazy stuff. Oh man, but, yeah. And it's and it's wild too. I was listening to Mr. Bill. You mentioned him earlier uh, on his podcast the other day, and he was talking. I forget who it was. He was talking to somebody about um how like a lot of artists were so excited at the beginning of COVID because they're like, oh, we're actually going to have time to like an excuse to sit at home and write all this music because we're not on tour. But then if you're not actually writing music with the intention of playing it out, sometimes there's less motivation because you're not sure if you're not even sure if like people are really going to hear it as much because you're not touring and like all this other stuff. And so you lose some of that creative inspiration or you start writing differently you don't write as heavy of drops or whatever because you're not appealing to like the festival crowd you know what i mean because you're not totally. sure you're going to be playing so that was kind of interesting COVID. i feel like i wrote a lot more like chill spacey music i feel like during covid more than like heavier bangers because <laughs> totally. really oh it, it definitely like like for for those of you who write like you know club music or bass music that's like designed to be played in that environment like when you're not there like often enough to appreciate it it doesn't have the same context so like yeah it it, it definitely i think is one thing that a lot of producers have been doing lately is like we had tozoki on the other day uh, and he said the same thing like his upcoming album which is coming out later in the year he said there's like one bass music one track he would classify as like bass music on that whole album yeah uh, because yeah. he just hasn't been playing shows um i think a mm-hmm. lot of producers are in that headspace like i like i'm a drum and bass producer i've been i mean i write pretty chill stuff anyway but like it i haven't really made anything that's like very club centric the last yeah. <laughs> the last year very much anyway so yeah yeah, man, yeah same same it, it's yeah it's interesting hey how it uh the the context in which you write does change the music mm-hmm yeah that's so all. do you have do you have more shows scheduled out in the near um, future? Well, I mean in in Melbourne here at the moment we we're in we're not in a lockdown. We were in like a kind of a snap lockdown um for a while now we have the restrictions kind of easing. We have like mm-hmm. a monthly um label show with the label I'm a part of um based here in Melbourne. But 
yeah, it doesn't look like we're not. Sure. We're meant to do one at the beginning of July, but we're not hundred percent sure if we're going can go ahead with it. We were able to do them okay. for a little bit for about two, three months. I think we were able to do them. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of back and forth at the moment. So we had to cancel sure. our last one, and I think a lot Man. of yeah, a lot of places are in that things like maybe for a little bit and then nope. Like yeah, I think the UK has been going through that recently. Like they had a bunch of shows scheduled over there, and then looks like things aren't looking so good at the moment over there now so yeah oh, man. pretty rough yeah gotta get that uh dr fauci ouchie yeah <laughs> just like get that vaccine that's yeah. what we call it over here in the u.s dr that, Fauci. that's or, that's the he's uh, like the he's the government doctor or whatever you want to call it yeah. <laughs> is that like an actual is that like an actual like advertisement they're using or just like no a, i just i just me and my friends say it like the dr nice. fauci ouchie nice like, get that shot that vaccine <laughs> yeah but it was i mean here in the midwest man i don't think people care anymore because i mean there's been a lot right. of people have had the vaccine at this point um, and so there are tons of shows popping up all at once. It was an explosion. Um, yeah, yeah. and which is like really crazy now for booking. Cause you have all these promoters and agents that are like playing catch up, you know, with only a limited amount of slots and venues that have either been rescheduled or canceled or, you know, it's, it's like a freaking, it's a rat race of booking yeah. shows right now. It feels like totally it, it's rough. Like it's just, everyone's just trying to do what they can possibly do as soon as they possibly can and trying yeah. to align it with touring schedules and all that's rough as well. Like, yeah, it's definitely, definitely. But, um, but, um, but I will say though, like as, as a positive side of all that is I think people, you don't always really appreciate what you have till it's gone. Yeah. And so I think there's ticket sales are just exploding. Cause I think yeah. a lot of people are just so anxious to go back to live music you know, I just played a show at one of my favorite, uh, like mid-sized venues here in Indianapolis and, uh, we sold it out and it was, it was, it was weird, man. It was weird to go back and play in front of a a full audience like that. It was, it was fun. Like halfway through, I just kind of look up and it was like, I kind of felt like I was dreaming. Like it was like, Whoa, this is, this is like what it should feel like again. You know, it was like somewhat back to normal. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a blast, dude. It was a blast. I actually had kind of some anxiety leading up to that because you you get yeah, used to being right. by yourself so long, you know. Yeah, like going back and actually being in front of people again. Like, it's been, yeah. I think I think that's been like a like even beyond music, man. I think like people like once we started in Australia here, like our out like specifically in Melbourne, like Victoria, where I am, where I'm based, like we were in probably one of the strictest lockdowns. Um, in terms of the rules, like I think it was crazy, even like in comparison to some of the rest of the world, like we were like really up there with like what we couldn't do. Like we had a like a, like a curfew, we had like a four reasons to leave home, like pretty strict. And I think mm-hmm. once we started like easing those restrictions and people started doing things again, I think every, it just it was just exhausting, like being mm-hmm. like going and hanging even with just friends. Like so, I think yeah, like I can only imagine yeah. going and playing a show to you know, lots of people in a crowd would have definitely like felt, <laughs> yeah, felt very was, different for sure, man. It's like zero to 100 right away. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, like it's just such a different, you get used to way, the way you live, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I slept so good that night. <laughs> <I> really <did>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you really would. did. Yeah. yeah. That's for awesome. Sure. Yeah. Oh, one thing. So I just as like an extra little 
bonus thing. Speaking of that live show is, uh, I was just like feeling really, like I said, like really anxious. And then, uh, then I thought of something that somebody told me a while ago, um, that like really helped. And he's like a public speaker. He's pretty well known. And awesome. he told, he told me, he's like, you know, anytime I start to feel really nervous before a show playing or I feel anxiety, I just uh, immediately try to remind myself that that's like the most selfish perspective you could have because all of your attention's on yourself. And really, it should be about catering to the crowd and like DJing to the crowd, feeling the vibe, putting out that good energy. And uh, a lot of times, if you're feeling really anxious, it's just because you're too self centered. <laughs> I was mm. like, damn, dude, that's really good. That's so good. And so now before a show, I always like tell myself that. And it's just like kind of recenters me, puts me back yeah. into it. That's yeah. huge, I feel like. Yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. like, I'm just thinking about that. That changes the perspective completely. It's like your nerves are like focused on yourself. It's like if you focus on the crowd. It's like, yeah, it changes that perspective. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I, have a, I have a few more questions I want to ask about um, your project in a second. But um, before yeah. we dive into that, one thing I wanted to ask is... um you've kind of teached slash worked with um, some, some fairly big names in the past. Um, mm-hmm. One thing, uh, well, one person was Mac Miller, rest in peace. Um, yeah. Machine Gun Kelly, the band Perry and a few others. Um, yeah, man. Do you want to dive into any of those and, and kind of say what that was like working with any of those people? Sure. Yeah. I mean, some of those were pretty short lived. Um, a lot of times for anybody listening, if you didn't know uh, people on a major label, a lot of times their label wants to book studio time as they're touring to keep them writing. So they just constantly have new material to work with. Yeah. And so that place, the lodge I used to work at, I mentioned, um, I was, I started their Ableton Academy at the time. And so there was a lot of big names coming through, um, like Ariana Grande was there and Mac Miller and Machine Gun Kelly. Those, that's where I met them. And, uh, they toured through and, uh, went downstairs into Mac's session and got to like really just see his workflow and like show him some pointers in Ableton and just kind of hang out. And, and dude, that was like, honestly, one of the, the greatest moments is just meeting him for the first time there. Yeah. And, uh, he's, he's hilarious. He was a hilarious dude. Yeah. Uh, and just like the realest person too, you know, it's like really refreshing when somebody of that caliber reaches that level of success or fame or whatever you want to call it. And yeah. then, uh, they're just like, they sit down and poop just like you do. It's like the most realist, <laughs> gen, like genuine person, you know? And so yeah. got myself really blessed to be able to, to like see him in that element and just to talk to him and to show him some Ableton stuff. And he produced a lot of his own, his own beats. So, yeah. uh, yeah. Shout out to him for that. And uh, yeah, such he, an amazing person. Yeah, he was very much like involved with with everything, which is rare for like an artist of that caliber. I remember um like looking at some of his other videos and being like, this guy like knows what he's doing. Like yeah, yeah that's awesome. That's awesome. I guess yeah, it's like one did, of those th- oh sorry, you go. Oh no, I was just gonna say I did a Philia remix to uh, the song that was released later after he passed away. Oh, that's um, awesome. And uh that was a really fun track. That's actually one of the more popular Philly ones I didn't expect. That's cool. But, yeah. Yeah, man. I guess it's also like um, one of those things for whether you're a producer wanting more opportunities or something, it's like being in one of those hubs, I guess, can uh, like open up pathways like, you know, to work with people and stuff like that. And obviously for you, like working at the Lodge um, opened that for, in some way for you. 
Um, so would you recommend like other producers out there kind of uh, get involved in something like that? Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think music is so community-centric Yeah, that a lot of it is just finding that community in the first place and then yeah. just really engaging with those people and not try to sell them some, you know, some idea of yourself right away where it's like hey check out my shit like you know like if you're just a if you were to walk up some random person on the street and you just like hand them a flash drive and like yo check me out i'm i'm awesome like they're probably just gonna look at you and be like who's this random person talking to me right now you know what i mean like they may Mm -hmm. or may not listen to it they'll probably just delete it and keep the flash drive for their other storage but i think I think the same is kind of true for even online communities in music. But first and foremost, I'd say just really get plugged in locally wherever you live. Yeah. And if you live, if you live in the middle of absolutely nowhere, consider a move to somewhere, (laughs) you know, the nearest biggest city that maybe has the scene that you'd like to get involved in. Um, And then just like give more than you can give more than you can take, Mm. you know, like, and that's kind of how I feel is like, even still, you know, if I can provide value and help somebody else, I, I'm a firm believer in karma or whatever you want to call it. But eventually, I think that comes back full circle at some point. Right. Um, so I think that's a big thing. Just support your local artists that you really believe in and support. And then don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Because mm-hmm. I think once people start to see that generosity and you supporting others, they'll definitely take notice of you too. Yeah, exactly. I think it just comes back down to like, just be a good person. You know, no one really has a reason to be like a dick to someone. (laughs) I mean, especially when you hear about people like Mac Miller who are like, have, have everything they want in a way like, well, obviously that's, yeah, that's a different discussion. But, um, that, you know, from the outside, they, they, they seem to have success and stuff like that. And then it's like, they're still a nice person. It's like, yeah, like, that's really cool. Um, totally, man. That's interesting you mentioned. It's like, yeah, if you live in the middle of nowhere, like move. I, uh, I, I think like um, it's underrated advice because uh, there's one, the one person who says this who I'm not like a huge fan of. I used to be a huge fan of this person before, but um, Gary V. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar oh, with Gary. Yeah, Vee. yeah, Gary, he's got his whole NFT thing now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I haven't been Instagram. keeping up. I haven't been keeping up with him, uh, to be honest, for a while. Um, yeah, he does give a few nuggets of advice, but I also disagree with what a lot of he says. Um, but one <laughs> yeah, thing he, too. yeah, yeah. Um, one thing he does say, which I do agree with, is like, if you want something and you're like, like, and you and you like want it, like move, move there if it's not where you are right now. It's like. I know that's like not an easy thing to just go up and like uproot your life. Obviously it, re- it requires sacrifice, but you know, yeah. it's an underrated thing to do. Just like move, like that will yeah. help you. Um, yeah. I mean, you don't necessarily need to move to like the hot spot every single time, but like if it's going to increase your chances of you um, getting the results you want or being amongst the people, the right people or whatever, like just move. Yeah. I think that's a huge underrated thing. Um that yeah, you should do. I totally agree. Mm. I agree. I mean, and if you can't for whatever reason, mm. you know, maybe your car just broke and your house is burned down or something yeah. and you, you can't afford it or whatever at the time, then there's a, I mean, the interweb is pretty huge. You can just go find communities online to start with, you know? Yes. And like even just joining Facebook groups. 
of mm. people and contributing to that. You know, I hate Facebook, to be honest, but, you know, there's other communities out there. Join uh, the Discord server of, mm. you know, say if you're in the UK and you absolutely love Cohen Sound. I'm a fan, personally. Yeah. And, you know, they have a cool Discord server. Maybe jump yeah. in there. And if that's the style of music you make and you want to connect with other people upcoming, prime example. You could jump exactly. in there. They're sharing tracks. Get to know those homies. Chances are there's probably other people that are in the UK as well maybe growing and blowing up and get to know those people, connect with them, maybe drop a collab. Mm. Everybody wins. Yeah, 100%. And that, that's something I was doing um, when I was younger and obviously couldn't like go out to clubs because I was into to electronic music pretty young. Like just, just being a part of like whether yeah Facebook groups. There was, man, I don't know if you remember this website. There was this website called Plug DJ. Plug DJ. Yeah. Uh, I've, heard of, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. it was like a... Um, it was like a website where you could essentially like, it was like chat room sort of thing, but it was a bit more visual and you could like basically queue up a song and it would play it via like YouTube or SoundCloud. And it was like you, each person DJed one song uh, and just kind of, it was like a music sharing platform really uh, centered around nice. communities. And that was That's really cool. cool, man. Like that, that I met so many people that way. Um, a lot of like producers who, who are kind of bigger now, uh, we're, we're in those rooms um, back in the day. Like, oh, I'm trying to think of a few people. Um, can't, can't think of the names now. Do you yeah. remember? Do you remember the vocalist Coma? Yeah, she was yeah. kind of big for a while. She was in there. Yeah. Um, there was a few. That's other cool. People. I miss yeah. that. I miss that era. Yeah, That's it was like 20, 2011, 2012, I think. Um, yeah, so it was that was a cool time. But like, obviously, Discord nowadays is like. There's home, mm-hmm. so many like great discords you can be a part of. Or um, yeah, man, there, there's so many platforms like blowing up here and there. Yeah. Like MySpace used to be really cool. Mm. I was thinking, I was talking to my friend the other day. I was like, whatever happened to Tom? Remember Tom? She's like, he was everybody's friend. He was the one guy that started MySpace. I don't oh, know if you ever yeah. were on there, but he <laughs> yeah. would like when you first joined, it would have his little face and his little geeky smile. He'd be like, "Hey, Tom's your friend." It's like, <laughs> oh, and then now Tom has no friends. Poor guy, oh. all of his friends left him. <laughs> yeah, oh, poor Tom. <laughs> yeah, poor Tom. But that was hilarious. Uh, that was that was some good times. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, man, awesome. Well, we'll segue into um, your own music. So. As you mentioned a couple of times, you've got your own music project, Philia, which yeah. is so you're writing a lot of the music yourself and then kind of performing it in a band context. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So most of the time I'll produce like a fully produced idea um, anywhere from like 32 bars to something that's almost completed. And then mm-hmm. I'll usually hit up my two guys in my band and have them come over and just kind of sprinkle some icing on the cake and uh just kind of add their own element and if i don't like it usually i'll just like throw it into ableton's sampler and just turn it into a weird like wiggly sound and just throw it in there somewhere but awesome yeah yeah it's been really it's been kind of weird like i kind of stumbled into this like songwriting process with them because i had all these fully produced songs before i met them that i was playing live yeah then i had to kind of go back and reconstruct the stems and Mm. figure out okay how can i tuck these guys in here and layer with them so i kind of basically went back and reproduced you know like 20 songs with these guys 
um, and just kind of like, all right, how can we pull this off live? Which I think worked out a lot to my advantage in a way because they're really talented and I trust them. Um, and when you play, I'm sure you've been to a show where you've heard a song that you absolutely love, but then you go to a show and there's a different version of it, you know, yes. or it's a remix of it or they do something different. It's like the most hype thing. It's great. Like people love it. And, yeah. uh, and so that's kind of how the live band turned out. Like just, you'll hear this, a lot of studio versions from songs written before a year and a half ago. And it's, yeah. it's got a different sound to it now, which is fun. That's cool. Um, Porter Robinson does that a lot with his live show. I've noticed um, he like fully changes up the the live versions. Um, yeah. Like I remember like one of his like more chill songs. Uh, I think yeah, Fresh Static Snow. Like back when he did his live show around like 2015, he did this like full like aggressive version live, and it was just like mind blowing. Like those moments because you're expecting kind of the original, and then it's just like what. Like I think, yeah. especially if you're yeah. doing like a, more of a live thing where you have that flexibility to change it up or whatever, um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's such an underrated thing for a live show for sure. Totally, man, and especially with like electronic music, like the production value is a big part of that too. Yeah. So something I've been playing with the last year and a half with some friends of mine um, is just how can we take a show that's good like all the musical side, everything technically is solid and it's, it's got the full sound of the live band. Mm. But also how do we take that and integrate that to lighting and production that syncs up with what you're hearing? Yeah. And so I've been working on some of that, um, like running OSC out of Ableton into like Resolume and awesome. some video video aspects and things too. We're going to be playing with a lot more of that this next few months. Um, that's awesome just it's a good time yeah it's like the whole visual side of a show is i feel like half of it to me um that's awesome. with the music but yeah i i think good visuals can make or break a show like um yeah it, it makes it somewhat more memorable like as much as we like I, I i like to kind of think that it's all about the music and it is all about the music still like i think that's the core the core thing when you go to see someone right like the visuals definitely help though. And I think it definitely makes it a, like a way better experience. Um, yeah. When you have that element, like something different as well. Like, um, yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. I think, uh, there's yeah. a, there's a whole lot of cool stuff like you can do with OSC and all that. Like, uh, yeah, that's such a powerful thing, like syncing up to lights and whatever. It, um, it yeah. is, man. It's a black hole. I yeah. feel like there's like, like in my mind, with like electronic music i think there's like almost two different kinds of shows you've got like fully pre-programmed stuff like dead mouse yeah you know, like dead mouse is like it, it's pretty much you're going to see almost like a movie it's mm. like he, he hits play i don't think he does a lot of improvisation in his sets i think a lot of it is very very pre-programmed and structured but it's dope like it's just this big production value thing right yeah um and then you have a little more of an improvised side with maybe that sometimes can sacrifice a little bit of the production unless you really do it right. Um, yeah. There's like more variables and that's kind of the in between of where I'm at right now. <laughs> trying to like do some more of that, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think the benefit is with a live show as well as you can make it as complicated or as simple as you really want it to. Like, right. um, it's true. If you're, if you're like, not a very like super crazy 
talented drummer or musician or something, but you still want to do a live show, you can do, you know, more of a loop based live show or something like that, which mm-hmm. is totally, I, I, I do kind of think like, yeah, like helping, like letting it match your like skill level with performing is cool because yeah, like there are people out there who, who do do a live show, but like they go too far down the rabbit hole and then the it this the quality of this the show suffers a bit because they're not like fully around everything they're doing. Whereas if they yeah. scaled it back a little bit and simplified it, they probably could do quite a good live show. Um totally. Do you find your live show developing a bit more? I mean, as you kind of like go down that that path a bit more? Yeah, I'm I become a big fan of simplicity, kind of yeah. like what you said of just like if I can make something easy and I don't have to think as much while I'm on stage, the better. So mm. I do a lot of automating because um, I have, have you ever heard of Kofresi? He was on my podcast not long ago, but he's got an interesting setup. He's a standing okay. drummer. Okay. It's kind of like a, like a cocktail kit, but it's not a cocktail kit. He's just got right. live cymbals and he's got his electric drum pads. And then he has an Ableton push that he does finger drumming on. And he just jumps around all over the place. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I have, a, I have, almost the identical setup as him but with a saxophone and a keyboardist and then i have an apc 40 so i'll jump over when i'm not playing live drums and i'll like affect with the keyboardist or saxophones playing yeah um so if i can make myself not have to think about what i have to do <laughs> yeah. do a lot of automation in my sets that's um, good yeah just to try to simplify anything um, yeah. on stage because i don't want to have to think too much i just want to be able to get in that flow state and just kind mm. of feel what i'm doing and interact with the audience more and like playing one like instrument or sound or whatever at a time sort of thing and focus on that moment rather than like yeah. tweaking five envelopes while playing a riff or something <laughs> uh, dude trust me i've got stories man like <laughs> it's like yeah there's been some scary times on stage too and you have too much to do oh yeah i can only imagine like, I mean, yeah, back so, in the day when you're in a band, you just played the guitar. Like, right. when you're an electronic musician playing live, it's like, you could just mm-hmm. do way too much. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Actually, here's an unrelated but kind of funny story. Um, I ended up playing drums and it was like a tour. Uh, and it was yeah. like my first like big show. I think there was like 1,200 people there and it was in Ohio. And I was in the band. All I did was play drums a long time ago. I was so stoked that I broke my drumstick that like all this energy was like coming through me and i just like rather than being a sane human being and just like slightly tossing the stick into the crowd i like aggressively threw it way too hard and ended up hitting some girl in the face oh no (laughs) in the front row with a broken drumstick dude i felt so i still feel terrible about it i really and and i remember the bass player just stopped and looked at me and he's like what what (laughs) what the hell man what did you just do (laughs) Oh, and, uh, no. everybody in the front everybody in the front saw it and they're like oh shit and, yeah, i felt <laughs> oh, no. i felt terrible man and then afterwards the manager comes up to me and he's like someday you're going to be walking through like a, a grocery store in this part of the country and some girl with an eye patch is going to come up to you and just punch you in the face oh, like, I know it was you. <laughs> oh that's rough that's rough yeah like yeah. the nerves can kind of get over you in that moment you're like yeah. instead of just tossing it i'm just gonna <laughs> it was it was brutal man yeah oh, i'm sorry man. if she's listening out there i'm so sorry you can punch me if you want i deserve it oh man that's great like, um yeah. but yeah man i think it's what, what, um oh sorry you go 
Oh, I was just going to ask you, like, um, for your live setup, are you, are you using CDJs or? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm just DJing at the moment for my music. Um, okay. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I, I used to kind of make more chill hip hop stuff for a while. I did do a live cool. set um, once or twice for that, just kind of running the tracks out of Ableton and I had a bit of vocals and stuff that I sung over. Uh, and played some kind of riffs over the top on like my little MIDI keyboard. It was a very kind of bare bones live setup as like, it was super simple and I didn't really have to think about doing a lot, which was yeah at that time. I'm sure if I progressed down that path more, I um, probably would, would have expanded it a bit, but yeah, just at the moment, okay. just um, DJing, which I mean, to be honest, if you like DJing, cool. I think um, like, uh, like I, I like kind of diving into the more like, the more like broader spectrum of DJing, I feel like you can kind of just like rock up and, and, you know, play tracks. I'm trying to kind of slowly go down like a bit more of a, like trying to integrate, you know, being able to play multiple tracks at the same time and like overlaying them and doing some more creative stuff. It's like a path I want to head down a bit more because I feel like DJing is one of those things you can once again, make it as complicated or as simple as you want it to be. And Mm -hmm. I think, you can do some interesting stuff live with DJing that not everyone is doing because um, it is possible just to rock up and kind of do a normal mix, which is fine too. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's so nice to roll up to a show with the flash drive mm. rather than carrying like, you know, an entire drum set and your laptop and the controller and everything else, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's the convenience factor is cool. And that's kind of the standard. I mean, you go to a lot of festivals and yeah. anybody is just DJing usually a lot of times just pull up with the CDJ. It's convenient. It's easy. It's nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially if you love it too, like, like I actually just enjoy DJing, like by all means, if you don't really enjoy it and you want to expand it a bit, you could, um, you could do a full live set, but man, I remember pen, like pendulum pendulums live set, man. I, I like looked at the, oh, um, that was wild. That, it was so live. Oh man. I never saw them either, which, which kind of sucks. I just like did some research online and, and stuff like that. I think like, but that's probably an example of like way too complicated because like they had six, I think, band members um, on stage and like drums, guitars, since they had a mixing desk on stage too. So like they did their mix down, which which is crazy, like live on stage. Um, Each of them had two laptops um, running, I think, Linux and they had an effects like a vst like effects chain on each of them that they could switch for each song um That's wild. and it was like a redundancy system so if one laptop failed it would yeah. revert to the other one <laughs> yeah yeah and, no that's that's huge for playing big shows redundancy is key yeah i think like disclosure that. uses it as well um yeah. in their ableton set for their live set but yeah. i think rob swire just said like nah like uh, that's why he kind of stopped doing the live shows because it was just way too much stress like sorting all that out (laughs) yeah it's a lot man actually it's funny you mentioned that redundancy um laura eskaday shout out laura i feel like i talk about her a lot she's great uh she was on my podcast as well but she is um the founder of electronic creatives and she trains a lot of a lot of playback engineers but playback meaning that it's your job to work with the artist and front of house and production team to be able to make the artist stems line up for backing tracks for a live show and a big part of her process is redundancy that's a big part of what she does so i was fortunate um me and 15 other people uh 
we went through like an interview process and were accepted into her uh, electronic creatives master track, um, meaning that awesome. it was kind of almost like an interview process to work with electronic creatives. And I had a couple calls to do things with them. Um, but yeah, it's a great team. And they do a lot of setup for um, like anybody from Ariana Grande to like the weekend, uh, a lot of a lot of huge name artists in that realm she works with. She does yeah. a great job. That's like a whole thing, I guess, especially like for the for those high caliber pop artists, they would need people to mm-hmm. like make sure that's like rock solid. <laughs> oh, totally, man. It's actually it's a funny story. I don't know how much I could say, but uh, there was a really well-known, uh, well, I'll just say it, Lizzo. Uh, I got a call to do playback with her, with oh, yeah. that team, and uh, it didn't work out uh, because uh, she wanted an all-female crew. We found that out after Oh, I was about to right. fly out to Coachella, uh, which I totally respect. Like, that's really cool. I support fully women in the music industry. I think it's great. I yeah. was like, that's totally fine. No worries. There'll be other projects. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, for one reason or another, her uh, playback went down her rig. Uh, and the other person that was doing. Yeah, she had to sing Coachella. This was like two years ago. Like half of her set was acapella because the rig went down. Oh, man. Uh, it was it was like on the news. And yeah, I felt really bad for them. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's just another thing is like, <laughs> if you're going to be playing major main stage Coachella and stuff, got to have some kind of good redundancy system. That's, people know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, yeah, it's, uh, it's, that would be, yeah, it's crucial. It's like, that's, that's like half the, like, when you don't have a band, especially, or you don't have like a full set of musicians, it's like, that is the band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Oh man. For sure. That's that's cool. One thing I wanted to ask about your writing process. So obviously you mentioned um, with like working with actual musicians and, and who come in and play over the top of what you're producing and stuff like that. Um, do you find even before that though, like uh, do you find yourself thinking of that in, in advance? Like, or do you kind of just write and then solve that issue later? Because I feel like you definitely have to, ha- to take that into account a lot of the times when producing. Yeah. I do. Yeah. yeah, I totally do. Um, my buddy, Andy, who plays keys, he's a big fan of Roland. And so I know that he has a lot of really awesome pad sounds. Yeah. Um, and he's he's incredible at chord progressions. Like he's so good with his chord progressions. Um, so I can kind of build the beat and the structure. And a lot of times I'll build a drop um, without them. So I'll do a lot of the drop build out and then kind of the in between like the build up to the drop or even like the post drop i'll have him usually i'll just i'll leave space for him to kind of leave more of a melodic breakdown Mm. of like a pad or like even some sprinkle some bells or things on top of what i'm doing um so yeah i I try to think of that in terms of like creating space for them for sure in the mix because that's the thing is like a lot of times I'm doing subtractive producing these days. And what I mean is like, I'll build out and I'll create like this big thing. And then I'll kind of go back and listen to him and be like, what doesn't need to be here? You know? And like, yep. what am I not really feeling? And I'll cut that out and see if it just sounds better without it. And then maybe add something different that doesn't take up as much space or just kind of thinking through, you know, I think a lot of times space is what really accentuates the instruments that really need to shine. Mm. So being able to think about how much more space can I create in my mixes? How can I take away more instruments until I'm getting the vibe that I'm really wanting out of this part of the track or whatever? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's key. I think even like for those of you who are listening who work with vocalists, I think yeah, that's like yeah. a key. Like you don't want to fill the mix too much with with just stuff um, that takes away attention from what's going to be a vocal. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's cool to like still have like, I mean, I personally love the interplay between like a vocal and like a main lead line or like a main melody sort of thing. Um, but yeah. it's definitely, you still need to leave space for it. Otherwise, yeah, yeah it's just, uh, it's yeah, just man. a struggle. And if, and if things like, if you really like both elements, but it just isn't working together perfectly, I mean, side chaining is so important. Like yeah. basic, you know, just, I'm using more side chaining now than I've ever produced with just because, I mean, even just for a fun creative effect, but also for like a mixing perspective to make things play nice together yes oh, for sure even if it's yeah. just a little bit like some like like some tracks call for a more aggressive side chain um yeah which is like more of a creative effect i guess you would call it but yeah even just a little bit like from a mixing perspective can just really yeah allow things to gel together um totally and yeah. also like side chaining things that's not like the kick drum like i find like sometimes right. Like even right. just like if you have like a vocal come in for a second over like over a synth line, like ducking the synth a little bit under the vocal, like stuff like that yeah. can, can sometimes be what the track calls for. Oh, for sure. And like side chaining a gate too. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know I, I follow Cohen Sound on their Patreon. They actually upload yeah. some really good video tutorials uh, for Ableton users. Nice. And yeah. they posted one, I think it was yesterday, and it was how to use gating for side chaining. And they'll basically take a melody line of like bells or like piano keys stabs and then um they'll like use a gate on their bass and then side chain those key stabs uh, or side chain that bass to those key stabs like things like that like even just for a creative production standpoint can be really dope so is it triggering the bass on when those key stabs come in or is it yeah. ducking? Yeah, yeah wow exactly so then you can just mute that key stab track and then the bass plucks and hits are just opening a bass loop to hit <sighs> at certain points, which is really fun. That's fun. Yeah, uh, I need to try that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Dude, I saw that the other day too, and I was like, I'm gonna do that. We do a lot more of that now. Yeah, yeah. Cohen Sound are like great. They're on like another level. <laughs> no, for real. Those dudes are nutty. I yeah. love it. Yeah, love man. It. On, um, speaking of like production, like techniques. Is there any like cool stuff you've been doing in the studio lately that, uh, you know, that has been fun or? that are you just kind of experimenting with? Yeah, man, uh, with my podcast, I've just been really, really blessed to have new toys sent to me every once in a while. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so I started diving in a little bit with the touche. Are you familiar with that? No, what's that? I'll leave a link for those who don't know, but yeah, yeah. Shout out to touche. Great company. Uh, it's a French company and it's basically this thing right here. I'm going to try to pull it up. Uh, it's this, and it has it's like a, oh, a long yeah. rectangular button, but it's very pressure sensitive. Yeah. So you can you can use it um, like to sustain notes. You can use it to do modulation just by gliding your fingers up and down it. That's and sick. then and uh, you can push down on it. It kind of feels like almost like a sustain pedal type of thing. Is yeah. What it looks like. Yeah. But then has a sensitivity knob, and you can it has its own um, like standalone plug-in that you can use for different sounds that come with it but yeah it's really dope if you get their upgraded model and doing that with my moog sub 37 uh synth damn 
thing is really dope if you pair them up together because then I can run MIDI out of the synth and then basically push this button to create like pulsing or like gliding effects and things with my my synth bass. It's That's kind cool. of really fun. So yeah. I love that. But uh, yeah, shout out to Moog users out there. I love nice. my Moog. Nice. Uh, but but yeah, that's been fun. And Ableton 11, anybody, any Ableton users out there, it has yeah. a lot of really cool new effects and things. Um, I've been having a lot of fun with, uh, let's see, I can go into my audio effects folder. I'm having a lot of fun with the chorus ensemble effect. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a new chorus. It's not bad. I really like the upgraded Redux for like saturation. Yeah. I'm doing some weird weird stuff with that. Um, there's also the Spectral Resonator, which I'm oh, sure man. a lot of people are on right now. They, that's very cool. I like that one. Yeah, Spectral Resonator is really dope. I put it on in like a return track and then I'll send like bass synth to it or even a kick drum. If you just throw oh, a wow. kick drum through it, you can tune the kick and do some crazy weird sounds with like percussive elements on on that. That's sick. Uh, yeah, it's super fun. But yeah, there's a lot of good upgrades with Ableton Live 11 for sure. And um, yeah, just there's a couple of Max for Live devices I've been enjoying as well. Uh, let's see. I have like, actually, I'm going to do a podcast on that. Just like sharing. There's like billions of them out there. Oh man, this it's it's like a rabbit hole in itself. Even just like the mm-hmm. LFO, using like the LFO modulators to like modulate random parameters, like that's something I've been doing a lot recently, which is fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, and uh, a lot of like the Shaper. Have you played with Shaper? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like LFO tool, like similar. It is. Of, yeah, yeah. It's similar to LFO tool. Yeah, that's kind of nice. Good Maxfly device. Mm. Also, uh, who was it? I should probably should have like thought about this before I said anything. <laughs> the uh, who was it? I got a oh good hurts. They've oh, got yeah. some really fun stuff. I've been playing with some good hurts lately. Um, lossy, yeah, 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 lossy. Such just a good for plug. weird textures. Yeah, some really fun textures, textural things you can create with that. There's there's nothing um, like it because it's basically like emulating MP3 bad quality MP3 codecs. Which is yeah. like fun for just sound design, yeah. It is, man. It totally yeah. is. And then OX Sound with uh, Soothe and Spiff. Oh yeah, you ever played with those? Yeah, I've I mean, played with Soothe OX too. And Soothe too a bit. Um, I also use the Smooth Operator, which is like the new one from Baby Audio, similar kind of thing, but a bit bit more simple. Um, okay, that's good. I did a video on it on our YouTube channel. Actually, I'll leave a link for that. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. man, that the spectral like suppression plugins are. Uh, really helpful it is have you ever played with shaper box by cable guys um i actually need to look into it more they they sent me um they sent it to me and i haven't haven't had the chance to uh dive into it yet um dude you got to you got to man like a couple months ago i started really going heavy with it and uh it's wild. They've got some really cool. It's very simple. It's pretty straightforward stuff. But if you like mm. to do any kind of weird, um, like bassy experimental bass stuff, they make the tools are so easy to play with and just create some weird sounds and rhythms with like synths and basses and noises. Yeah, my um, it, and even, I think for, you can use it for sidechain as well too, right? Like um, I think I think few, so. Yeah, yeah. My friend Andre, um, who makes music under Copycat. 
he uses it for um oh yeah he's great man i actually paid for one of his webinars a while ago he did like a yeah like a webinar thing on the, one of the songs uh, the uh um what was it i forget the name of the company he did, like, did the too. funny the funny pre the funny um promo video yeah yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. used my camera <laughs> <laughs> for that yeah he's a, he's a good he's a good mate of mine yeah we've been friends for a while yeah i love his sound design man yeah he makes great stuff yeah because he's he's in australia i forgot about that yeah yeah he lives he's um because he's like he grew up kind of we both are from like queensland um we both okay. moved down to uh to victoria here i'm gonna get him on on this podcast at one point do it but, um, yeah 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 now shaper boxes um is crazy i definitely need to dive into into it a bit more um mm-hmm yeah, man. No, Love awesome. Shaper Box. Yeah. Well, um, what else? What else have you been using as far as like plugins oh, that you really love? What have I been using? Honestly, man, I've been kind of trying to like um, simplify my my like processes to like more stock stock tools yeah. lately. I think there's Same. I, I have these like phases where I like dive into the stock tools like of Ableton or, or you can do this in whatever door you're you're in by the way. It doesn't have to necessarily just be Ableton, but um yeah. like and then I have like a phase with plugins where I might try a few out and see what works for me and then I kind of just end up going back to stock tools. Um Same. They Same. they're just so good. Like especially in Ableton, I love like right. even some of the stock synths like I've been playing a bit with electric. Um Ableton okay. Electric, which is underrated just for like key sounds. It is. Um, one thing I didn't realize about Electric, um, and you may you may know this, um, but it's like the uh, same people who made Lounge Lizard. Um, just really, yeah. It's it's AAS Applied Acoustic Systems, I think it is. Did yeah, the, I didn't realize did the that. coding for Electric. Um, I think the only difference is that like lounge list it has a few more algorithms and things you can change on it plus it has included effects um but okay. if you use like the included effects in ableton you can get pretty pretty close like it's actually like convincingly like you can hear that it's the same that's awesome coding. i didn't so realize that it's super underrated because i feel like if you load it up just on its own it's a bit dry sounding but if you yeah. process it with some nice effects yeah. and like chorus or reverb yeah. a bit of distortion or amp or whatever um yeah. Yeah, you can you can do that. I've been loving that just, lately. Made a tune just around run that. run anything through Ableton Saturator. It just sounds better. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's such <laughs> sure. a simple tool. The soft sign mode. Is. Soft sign mode. Yes, is, soft is, sign mode's nice. Was one of my favorites. I, uh, but yeah, Electric got a new uh, interface update too with yes. Live Eleven, so it's way more user friendly than it used to be, in my opinion. Yeah, it was a bit of a like a. Uh, it did look not that nice <laughs> yeah, before yeah, before exactly. eleven. It was a bit yeah, of pretty much. It's true. It needed a facelift. Yeah, man. So uh, no, I've been mostly just doing that. Um, I've been loving Valhalla Supermassive just for like big oh, yeah. luscious reverb textures. That's a fun plugin. Love that. Yeah, yeah. And that's free too, right? Yeah, I know it's crazy, man. Uh, it's, so nice. You just gave that away. Yeah, I think they gave it down. I gave it away in lockdown. Um. Just and everyone was like, "Yeah, stoked! It's a good plugin." All my um, friends make fun of me because I I'm like an evangelist for Valhalla Shimmer. Yes, I put that I put that on everything, dude. It's a <laughs> great. Like it's, I I used it yesterday. Like it's 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 for that specific like wash. I think it's the Taj Mahal preset. I use a lot on uh, on yeah. big like pads or reverbs yes. or on on vocals even like to get those vocal kind of pad textures. It's great. 
totally yeah man. yeah the big ethereal type of sound yeah man it's like it's like a giant bathroom sound but cleaner and better <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah um yeah, it's it's uh it's a it's a great plugin. Definitely go check out Shimmer uh, if you haven't got that one. Um, yeah. Awesome, man. We'll probably start to wrap up. Um, yeah. But one yeah, thing sure. I wanted to ask is, yeah, what like what have you got coming up in the next zero to twelve months? Yeah, man. I uh, right now I just launched a new masterclass for myself personally for anybody who wants to go deeper, have help releasing more tracks in Ableton Live. Um, so if anybody's interested, you can check that out. But right now, I've just been doing a lot of podcasting, a lot of this cool. kind of stuff, yeah. and uh, just booking some more guests, getting more people on, um, and booking shows. I've got a couple shows coming up that I'm pretty excited about. Um, awesome. And just writing more music, man. Just constantly writing, making music. I've been into biking lately. Doing some more biking. Nice. Trying to stay healthy. You know, yeah. kill Important. those bad viruses. Important. Yeah. yeah. Got to stay healthy. Drinking water. Nice, yeah. man. Yeah, it's been good. I yeah. So I guess if anybody wants to stay connected, uh, I'm on. I'm an Instagrammer. So awesome. Philly, at Philly at Philia Music. So it's like P H I L I A Music. Um, that's usually where I'm hanging out these days. Sweet. I'll, I'll I'll chuck that down below as well, so people can give you a follow there, man. Cool. Um, I I like to end all of the interviews with this question because I mean, obviously, as producers, we all kind of learn from our mistakes as we as we journey with music. Yeah. Um, but if you had a time machine and you could change one thing that you did in the past, what would it be? If I'm a time machine and I can change one thing in the past. Yeah, or like recommend something that producers don't do that you've done so they don't make the same mistake. I think like, oh man, that's a hard question. That's so hard. <laughs> I I honestly would say like, I don't know. I'm I kind of live my life as if like no regrets kind yeah. of thing. So like that's just kind of how I live. But if I had to pick something and time travel, I'd go back and tell myself to I guess be less afraid of producing what I think other people want to hear mm. and like be more focused on just producing music that like makes me happy and what I want to put out into the world. Awesome. You know, sometimes it's easy to get in my own head at times as I'm sure other people feel the same way where it's like, I have to produce something that's like, sounds like this guy or sounds like this other person. But uh, I heard a really good quote that says, uh, comparison kills creativity. Yeah. And I feel like that's really true. So like not compare myself to other people. The world does not need another dead mouse. That's for damn sure. Like we don't need yeah. another one of those other, you know, they just be you and just make music that you love, put it out there shamelessly, have fun. Mm, exactly yeah. and, and it's like dead mouse isn't looking for another dead mouse to sign to mousetrap right <laughs> yeah exactly dude. exactly yeah. that's yeah. awesome man for yeah. sure sweet yeah. that that and uh going back and not throwing the stick at the girl in the crowd right yeah also that <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah don't hurt your fans don't like, hurt yeah your fans. don't that's... don't don't injure them at shows yeah that's a big one but definitely if you take away anything today just remember that. <laughs> uh, awesome, <laughs> it's awesome. Man. 
Dude, thanks so much for having me, man. This was fun. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on, Dan. This has been a blast. Um, as I said, I'll leave your your social link for Instagram at Philia Music in the show okay. notes. But um, yeah, man, been a blast. Uh, yeah, we'll catch we'll catch you soon. Yeah, let's do it again, man. Take it easy. See you, man.